This Hawk Talk is brought to you by the NSU Wesley Foundation. The NSU Wesley is a Methodist campus ministry dedicated to serving the community. Every week, they serve a free lunch for NSU students, faculty, and staff from 11 to 2 on Wednesdays. This is quickly followed by Club Sammy, a program geared towards feeding those with food insecurity in the community. Finals week, students can get free breakfast, lunch, and dinner from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. at 405 South Going Snake Street, Tahlequah, OK. For more information, call 918-822-1913. This is the Hawk Talk podcast where we talk about anything NSU. I'm Cordell Giles here with NSU baseball head coach. James Colning, and pitching coach Luke Bay. Today we'll be covering NSU baseball's first two weeks of the season and what head coach James and pitching coach Luke have learned this early in the season about the team with it being their first year's head coach and pitching coach. So we've had a lot of rain lately. How has the field work been going trying to get it ready to have your first home opener? Well, we took the tarp off the, the infield yesterday and about 100 gallons of water flowed out in the right field. So right field's a little bit wet still, but uh, squeegeed that off and uh, trying to get that thing ready. But the infield and the dirt looks really good. So uh, the outfield is a bit secondary to that. So we're feeling pretty good about it. That's always nice. A lot of field work gets the team together. Okay, so in the preseason conference rankings, NSU was ranked third behind UCM and Pitt State at the one and two spots. In the regional rankings, NSU was ranked seventh. It seems that there's a lot of high expectations from people, not just in the conference, but all over the country this season. After the rankings came out, how did that get the locker room feeling in the coach's office and for the players in the locker room? I think it's pretty easy for me to start in the coach's office. It's obviously nice that people around the region and in the conference have a pretty good feeling and uh, show a lot of respect towards NSU baseball. Uh, but in reality, uh, the outside does not matter to us. A good example is my first year, we were picked 10th in the preseason poll. We ended up finishing second. Um, so while I think in the last two, three years here, uh, the respect around the country for NSU baseball has increased in our locker room. Those are the expectations that matter. Uh, and then you have to go out and prove that every single day. So uh, I think that our, our locker room was very pleased in terms of the respect, but uh, the outside will not affect what goes on in this clubhouse and in our locker room. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, you can always have people come and tell you, good job, and we expect a lot out of you this year and to see what we're excited to see what's coming, but each and every day you got to wake up and prove it to yourself that you're going to be able to do it and show what you got because someone can tell you you're good you're every single day, but if you don't show out and prove it, it doesn't mean anything. So after the first weekend, opened up in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and then had a series with ECU that was supposed to be hosted at home, but had to get moved to prior due to weather conditions, and then had a mid-season game canceled or moved against uh, Southeastern. Uh, NSU has started off the season with three and three, winning their last series against ECU in two to one. The first six games, the team has an average of 315 with 17 doubles, one triple, and seven home runs. On the offensive side, how does that feel as the head coach coming in with a with such a good offensive start? We have a lot of new players, uh, and so you got to learn how to win. So that you know, starting off three and three to kind of start on that topic, uh, and going down the hot springs, you're you're trying to play a good preseason schedule kind of get the kinks out uh, and learn how to win together. Uh, I think you you start to see that at the end of the series there against East Central dropped the first one in a pretty uh, brutal baseball game, uh, 17 to 15. 
Uh, and then you come back the next two days and and really start hitting the baseball a little bit better. Some really hot starts. Uh, a couple of guys I'll touch on. Isaiah Keller, he's hitting over 400, four extra base hits, including a home run to really get the, the, uh, the scoring going against East Central there in game two. Uh, he's got six stolen bases and, and playing a really good right field for us. To Claudio Irvin, uh, Division One transfer from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, the batting average doesn't show it. He's had a lot of tough luck, but uh, he's hitting in the seven or eight hole for us most days. He's got 13 RBIs already, uh, and he's been a really steady presence there at shortstop. Uh, the offense is something that the last two years we've really held our hat on. Pretty ele- electric offense last year, being one of the only teams in the country with 120 doubles, 120 home runs, and 130 stolen bases. Uh, the expectations in the locker room there are pretty high, and so I think over the last couple of games you've seen uh, the locker room and the lineup start to meet those expectations on the offensive side. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Seeing what the team has done the past couple of years on the offensive side of the ball is kind of crazy and definitely a team that wants to do that again. But also I feel like the team needs to find a way to be themselves and be their own team this year and find their own way to win. Not so much compare themselves to last year's or the team before, but this year is this year and we have to see what's in front of us now. On more of the defensive side of things, in the pitching side, pitchers had a 3.98 ERA with 60 Ks and an opposing batter batting average of 210. Luke, how does that feel for you with 24 walks? How does that feel for you as being the pitching coach? How does how has the staff started out the season so far? I'm certainly pleased with it. You know, there's always room for improvement. You know, something that we've always we've talked been talking about since the fall is minimizing the free passes. But you know, when you have good stuff and you have the ability to strike guys out, it it really helps pitching out of jams. You know. Um, Seth Stacy opening night against Southeastern pitched out of a lot of jams. Uh, I think it was in the second and third inning. Um, and then Lee Callison has turned into back-to-back really quality starts. Um, he hadn't had his best stuff, but he's been able to grind through it and, and really minimize the free passes. And, and that's really what we're hunting. When, when teams are hitting 210 off of us, then really the, the biggest thing is just not hurting ourselves and not getting our, in our own way so that we can go out and, you know, keep ourselves in ball games and, and let our offense score a lot of runs. I completely agree. Just not letting the inning snowball on you. Take care of the take care of the little things and big things will take care of themselves. Take care of not walking guys, getting ahead and count, throwing strikes, letting your defense work behind you. It makes it a lot easier to play the game of baseball. Yeah, that's absolutely. Sure. And you know, we've been really we're really high on our starters. And uh, you know, I think that we after the first two weeks, our bullpen has really stepped up and, and kind of solidified some roles. You know, Logan Stewart has really come on as of late. Um, and he's a guy that just goes out and he he absolutely attacks. He's not afraid of, of contact. He's just just out there ripping the baseball right to the middle of the zone. Um, Cole White is, has shown, you know, electric stuff. And he's the same guy every single day, whether it's a Tuesday bullpen or Friday when he's when, when we got a one-run lead in the ninth. He's the same guy. And I think it shows him. And how he prepares and how he's ha- able to handle the moment. And the, you know, that's why he's had early success. And, you know, and then, you know, CJ Briley has come on. He, he's really worked hard and he's, he's filling up the zone more and he's trusted his stuff. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is just being able to trust your stuff and just go after hitters. That's true. Just got to keep going after guys and let them put the ball in play. Don't got to strike everyone out. Let your defense work and see what happens. Baseball's a long season and, what are you going to say to your guys after a good start right now to keep it clicking throughout the entire throughout the entire season? Keep these guys on their toes and make sure that they stay working and just something that they can keep their heads looking forward to each and every day. Guys in our clubhouse have pretty high expectations of themselves. 
Uh, and kind of what we said earlier there, you have to go and prove it every day. So you have to prove it in practice. That's your opportunity to earn playing time. Uh, in game, you have to go out and prove that uh, you deserve to stay on the field. You have to go prove that the expectations inside the locker room and now some of those lofty expectations outside the locker room, you have to prove that you're good enough. About winning baseball games at the end of it, winning series, that's what we were so happy about against East Central. You dropped the first one. Pretty tough loss for us. I know our guys felt it. Uh, just a, a sloppy baseball game from our, our side. Uh, and then being able to handle that adversity and bounce back uh, and take the next two uh, pretty handily. Uh, it's important that you can handle adversity. Uh, that's You're going to find a lot of it in a long season, in a 50-game season, hopefully, hopefully some games after that with the playoffs. But when you have lofty expectations, you have to go prove it every single day. And our guys are mostly junior college transfers, so they've been through long seasons before. And so even when you have 23 new guys, they've all experienced the long baseball season. I want, I want to touch on that too. You know, we want to be a great team. And so the great teams are able to be the most consistent throughout the entire season. It's easy to have a one-off performance, whether it's good or bad, but you got to be consistent every single day in your mindset. You got to have the right mindset and then you have to be consistent in that mindset every single day. And that's, that's how you get to where you want to be. This coming up weekend after the ECU victory and the non-conference play. What are y'all planning to do against William Jewell? And what does the team have to do to get another weekend series win? And how would that propel the team going forward into conference play against Emporia? Well, William Jewell's a good team. They won 30 games last year. They return a lot. Uh, it's their opening series. It'll be their first games uh, of the year. So they'll be excited and ready to go. We'll be coming off of conference or another non-conference series against East Central uh, and preparing ourselves for Emporia. You have to schedule good preseason non-conference games to prepare yourself for that. It's the same thing that we, we preach to our guys, our blueprint. You have to go play clean baseball. So pitchers have to attack the zone. Guys on defense just have to be able to play catch. And then on the offensive side, you you attack the attack the baseball. You try to speed people up. We talk to our guys a lot about our blueprint and how each guy can contribute to uh, winning baseball games. Uh, and so for us, it's a pretty simple one. It's go out there and, and attack in every sense, of the, every sense of the way. On the pitching side, you attack the middle of the zone and you pitch off that. On the defensive side, you attack the baseball and you go make plays. Uh, we talk to our guys a lot about cheating to make plays. On the offensive side, you go, you go attack balls that are in the zone and be able to control the, control the zone. So the, the talk to our team there is about being aggressive. And after that, it'll all even out is what we talk about. So you talk a little bit about the blueprint. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and what your blueprint is? Use use well, Luke. Yeah, the blueprint, uh, the kind of the basis of it is every player has strengths and weaknesses. So when uh, as a hitter or as a pitcher, when you're building an approach and a mentality, you have to know what you're good at and you have to know what you're bad at. And then we talk about building our blueprint off of what we're good at, so that we can go help our team uh, win baseball games. Uh, if you're uh, a power hitter, you have to go out and attack the baseball and try to hit balls in the air in reality. Uh, if you're a speed guy, you have to be able to get on base and contribute there. I think uh, the guy that we talk to a lot about is Isaiah Keller. I mentioned him earlier, elite power hitter that also has a way above average speed, uh, pretty dynamic player, fun to watch. And his blueprint is being able to go to the middle of the field and backside of the field uh, with the baseball in terms of at the plate. And then once he gets on base, he's got to be very aggressive. So 
He had a game against East Central where he goes three for four. He's a triple shot of the cycle. So he's a single, double, and a home run. Uh, his home run was the left center field. His double was the center field. And then his single was the other way. Uh, he got on base uh, four times, including a walk, and stole two bases that day as well. And so his blueprint is being able to drive the baseball to the middle of the field. Uh, and then once he gets on base, be aggressive. Claudio Irvin is a guy with very good bat-to-ball skills. Uh, there's not a lot of swing and miss there. And he's got 13 RBIs just because in situational ABs, uh, he can he can move the baseball. So that's what we talk about with the blueprint. It's basically how you can help your team win. For the blueprint-wise, you say that and for each individual guy, does the, does the team have a blueprint for themselves, like the entire team as a whole? Is that something that really works like that? Or is it more just individually throughout each guy to make something work? Each player has their own blueprint. And then the team has a blueprint as well. I think if you're looking back towards last year's team, the outsiders would say the blueprint was hitting a lot of home runs. Uh, we were known for that. Um, really, it's about being aggressive. Our blueprint is trying to speed people up. So uh, we're very athletic, especially position player-wise. And so we're fast, we're strong. And I think that creates a dynamic offense. On the pitching side, uh, the blueprint is being able to throw multiple pitches in the zone for strikes. And then defensively, the blueprint, uh, again, is being athletic and being able to go make plays, diving plays, plays in the hole uh, for infielders. So yeah, there is an individual blueprint and then there is also a team blueprint or approach or mentality. Luke, how does the blueprint work for the pitchers more on a day-to-day basis for your starters? It should, I'm guessing, going to be a lot different compared to your midweek guys and then your bullpen guys, your back-end guys. How does that work for them? You know, just like James mentioned, each you know, how each hitter has their own specific blueprint. Each pitcher has their own blueprint as well, whether they're, you know, a fastball changeup guy or a fastball curveball guy or a fastball slider guy, whatever it may be, that's their strength. So, you know, for a guy like Seth Stacy, his blueprint is, you know, dominating with fastball, you know, changeup and then mixing in the slider. You know, some of our other guys that have elite, elite spin, then it's, you know, fastball spin and then changeup. But really, the the overarching blueprint for the pitching staff is to dominate the strike zone with with every pitch and every count, regardless of the hitter, regardless of the score. It's we got to dominate dominate the zone with every pitch that we throw in every count, and we're going to be just fine. I can dive a little bit more into into that being our third starter on the weekend on Sunday, guys. Uh, third game of the week, a lot of guys are tired Sunday. So I got to make sure I dominate the zone, make sure I keep the game up pace and not lag on because it's really easy for guys to lose focus when walks start happening and it doesn't transfer well to the offensive side either. Game prolongs, little things turn into really big things and the game just doesn't work well. But when I'm dominating the zone, I'm letting guys make plays behind me and we can click on the third day where it's a great day to put a team in the dirt. But Get a little bit away more from baseball and just a little bit more personal experience for both of y'all. Your first victory as a NSU head coach, how was that against ECU? Run rule, 14-2. to two. How did that feel for both of y'all as a coaching staff? Yeah, it's a pretty special moment in my life. It was obviously surreal. Uh, I think if you look back a year ago, I don't think I'm in this position at the same time. And so going out there and getting my first win early was a lot of fun. We had a Really impressive game all all around. We had a really good pitching performance from Alex Kahn. Uh, went six innings, gave up two hits, walked one. Uh, defensively, we were we were clean, so no errors. We made a couple of really big time plays, and then on the offensive side, uh, really had one inning where we scored ten runs and uh, just kind of 
again, what we talked about about the blueprint, we were we were athletic. We sped we sped East Central up, and uh, for one inning, we just really dominated there and uh, got a run rule. So uh, it ended early, which was uh, a bit different. I don't think I ever expected my first win to be a run rule, but makes it a little bit sweeter. And then it was just a, a pretty surreal moment. I don't even know exactly what I did right when when the game ended. I'm pretty sure I looked over at Luke and gave a big hug. So it was a pretty special moment for the both of us. And really happy that I got to share that with Luke, obviously being his first year as our pitching coach as well. How did it feel for you, Luke? It felt great. One, there's nothing like winning. No, it was, it was a moment that I'll remember the rest of my life. And, you know, it's it's surreal. You know, the fact that, that James would trust me with the – with the pitching staff and with a team that has a lot of high expectations. And this is my first year ever really kind of running my own show with the pitching staff. It, it, it meant a lot to me. It really did. And, and there's a lot of hours that went into it, a lot of work that went into it. And I'm just thankful that, you know, I got to be a part of something really special and I got to be a part of James' first win. What was the best text message you got after the first win? Uh, that's tough. Um, I will say Tristan Ridenauer. Uh, former catcher, he's a, a high school coach at Coweta High School in Oklahoma. That was the first text. Pretty cool uh, guy that I did not coach, but he's been around the program since I got here. Uh, that was the first one. Uh, obviously, family got a lot of text messages and phone calls. Jake Hendrick, former head coach here, uh, he's the guy who gave me my my first uh, lead assistant role. Texted me that night, uh, and that was that was pretty special. Got a phone call from him. Man, too many to to even even count. Uh, I'm pretty sure every single player that I've coached here uh, that's an alumni sent me a text. So uh, my phone was kind of blown up there for a couple hours. But uh, yeah, Tristan Ridenauer, shout out to him. That was the first guy. So pretty cool. Um, just shows the alumni support in this program is uh, about as good as you can get. Uh, but yeah, way too many to, to say that there was one that was uh, more special than the rest. Oh, that's got to be a great feeling knowing that you're in a place that you loved. This place is cared for. I mean, a lot of hard work is put into the place, a lot of blood, sweat, tears. People care about this place. I don't know what it is about Tahlequah, but it's a special place, man. That's for sure. Luke, what about you? Definitely got to be my parents and my family. You know, they've they've all supported me throughout this journey, and I just can't thank them enough for, for everything they've done for me. And then uh, Buck Taylor texts me right after the game and he actually texted me the box score of the pitching staff and said that'll give you a chance to win every time and he's he's somebody that's he's he's taught me so much and I'm so thankful for him um I spent four four years with him at Kansas State and I'm, he's one of my best friends and so I'm just real thankful for him and then when my other best friends Casey Ford actually got married that night and I couldn't be at his wedding somebody FaceTimed me that was at the wedding party and they all passed they passed the phone around and everybody told me congrats and so it was cool seeing a lot of the, a lot of the guys that I played with at Kansas State cheering on for us. That's pretty cool. So love comes from everywhere. Don't know where it's going to come from, but it comes from everywhere. Well, I got a little funny off-topic question for you guys. What are <laughs> what's three guys in the locker room, including yourself, are you taking to survive a zombie apocalypse? Three guys in our locker room. Uh, that's a tough one. My first one, very reluctantly. Uh, is Braden Rodden. Uh, he's probably the smartest guy in the locker room. Uh, he knows pretty much everything there is to know about machinery, building things. He's a smart kid. I'll have to find a way to not have him talk the entire time. 
I do I get one more or two more here? I want I'd like to have two more. Yeah, two more. Three right. guys and then and and yourself. And then uh two roommates. Uh some of it because it would be comical to have them together, and some because I know they're both pretty outdoorsy, but uh your podcast host here, Cordell Giles, uh, and our center fielder, Matt Kaiser. Um very outdoorsy guys. I'm a I'm a California kid, so I don't know how long I'd last in the zombie apocalypse, but Getting three Oklahoma boys uh, out there would probably be my safest bet. Uh, I don't know I'm faster than Brayden Rodden, so if he did have to run away, he'd be the first one to go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, those three would be my 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 easy ones. There's some other ones there that I'm sorry I can't bring you. Kobe Tweeton, you're just too big, six, seven, 300 pounds. The zombies would see you right away. Um <laughs> There's a couple other guys that I'd love to bring, but uh, hopefully the rest of them are safe in that zombie apocalypse because I love those guys in the locker room. Man, tough question. Tough a lot question. of guys. Yeah, I think I'm going Cole White right off the bat. Um, I know that guy's going to bring it every single day, and he's not going to not going to give in if we need to fight. Where's the location of the zombie apocalypse? Is it right here in the Tahlequah right Hills? Here in Tahlequah? Okay, well then I feel like I got to bring Seth Stacy because he's from here and he knows everything there is to know about here. Uh, or Tanner Christian, not not getting brought along there is the Tahlequah guy. <laughs> Tanner's close second to Stacy. Um, and then number three, I'm probably going to go Rodden too. Well, it looks like Rodden's surviving this year. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I had to choose three guys. I'm. I think I'm choosing. I got to go with Braden Rodden, lifelong best friend. Got to got to keep him on my side, and I know he knows a lot. I feel like we can send this for all three of us. This is going to go straight to his head. What do we do to ourselves? But (laughs) he's just proving it. He's he's proving it day in and day out. This is the guy we want, I guess. I go him, and then I got to go my roommate, Matt Kaiser. And for my third guy, I would – those were two easy ones for me, but the third one I really don't know yet. (laughs) I think I got to go – I think I have to go Cole White for my third one as well. I like that. Guy that I can get along with. I can't be fighting people all the time because I know I'd be bickering with MK about every day. So I got to have someone that'd help me get on his butt head every now and again. Thank you for listening. I'm Cordell Giles. This is the Hot Talk Podcast. And thanks, James and Luke, for joining me today. For more episodes, you can go to nsunews.com and Spotify, where we will be talking more about NSU baseball and other campus events this spring. Make sure to follow our social media pages at TNE News on Instagram and Twitter. On Facebook, follow the Northeastern for more NSU news. And thank you for listening today. And go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. The NSU Playhouse invites you to a night of laughter and fun with five women wearing the same dress. The show, written by Alan Ball and directed by NSU's own Dr. Robin Pursley, revolves around five bridesmaids avoiding the bride who they all secretly dislike. Starring both current students and alum, the show will take place at 7.30 p.m. on April 10th through the 13th at the NSU Playhouse located in downtown Tahlequah. The show will also be the fourth Golden Llama competition presented by NSU Drama. Student organizations with the most members in attendance of the show will win the Golden Llama Trophy. Who will be the student organization with the most members in attendance? Purchase tickets for the show at nsuplayhouse.ludus.com. That's nsuplayhouse.ludus.com.